Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Ladies, don't miss the instant asset tax rider. Essendon Renault traffic sales event now on. Time on with Sam Hargraves on SEN. Well, it's time for your say on the news of the day. And Carlton, the Suns, the team in Tassie have all been on the agenda. The coaches' votes are in the marks and goals of the week. There's injury news. And how many people will be allowed back at the footy this week? Into the A-League, into the NBL finals, the grand finals. It's time for your say. Uh, good evening to you and welcome to Time On. Beautifully done from Sam Edmund and Kingy uh, filling in for Bob and Andy as they take a week off. one 736 736 Time On, of course, is always your say on the news of the day and there's been plenty of it getting around after uh, another big weekend of footy, another big weekend of sport. one 736 736 the number. You can text any time as well on the temper text, 0433 98 11 16. Uh, temper, a mattress like no other and we do it all for the Essendon Renault traffic sales event it's now on to tradies don't miss the instant asset tax write-off Essendon Renault traffic sales event is now on one 736 Herald Sun are reporting at the moment that uh, we should find out either tonight or early tomorrow how many people are going to be allowed back at the footy uh, and also at live sport. It's a massive weekend this weekend for sport in Melbourne with Melbourne United Friday night against the Perth Wildcats game three, which could be the sealer. For Melbourne United, so how many people are they going to be allowed to have at John Kane Arena? Uh, of course, you'll be able to hear that via the SEN app this weekend. Uh, just click on the SEN Fanatic tile and uh, you will be uh, just sitting there and listening to the dulcet tones of, uh, well, it could be me, it could be Jordan Canellis. You'll just have to find that out uh, on the night. Uh, A-League grand final as well. So that's scheduled to be played uh, on Saturday night. What will be the number that will be allowed to come in. Um, Melbourne, uh, Melbourne, Melbourne City are saying that no matter what and no matter whether there's crowds allowed or not, that they should be uh, allowed to host that at Amy Park. So a report in the City Morning Herald today uh, that the cash-strapped A-League clubs could be turning down roughly a million dollars in revenue by holding... Uh, Saturday night's grand final outside of Sydney. Vince Vigari is reporting that at the moment. Melbourne City uh, adamant that it should be staged at Amy Park. They've earned the right after winning uh, the Premier's Plate. So where that game will be played is still yet to be determined and how many fans will be watching uh, and will be able to attend 
is still yet to be determined uh, as well. So the Herald Sun are reporting that uh, in terms of AFL and outdoor venues, they're expecting that the number's going to be somewhere between 20 to 30%. So the AFL asked for a 50% capacity to be at the MCG this weekend. Uh, that's looking like it's going to be denied and we're expecting, and the Herald Sun reporting, that it's going to be somewhere between 20 and 30%. So that uh, is still yet to be determined. Uh, the Sydney Swans is a wait and see as well on whether they get an exemption from the SA government to play their 7.40 Saturday night game at the Adelaide Oval uh, against Port Adelaide in what's a top eight clash and, and, and should be a, a crucial and important game of footy for both, and is a crucial and important game of footy for both sides. So... Um, it could be moved to an earlier time slot. Some news outlets are reporting. The SA Premier is still hopeful that that game will go ahead and the Sydney players would be um, put under the same restrictions as we know now that are absolute overkill uh, from the South Australian government that were applied to Collingwood and Geelong, who incidentally got wins under those same rules. Um, but obviously a different situation uh, unfolding in New South Wales at the moment. But we know that they were incredibly... Um, draconian would be the word I think I'd use. Uh, but both those teams were able to get wins under those conditions. So Sydney players at the moment uh, are in pretty strict conditions about what they can do and what they can't do for the time being while they wait. Uh, they can pretty much stay in their houses or go to training. Um, and the requirements would be too that any housemates or family members would have to adhere to the same rules as well. So reports today that uh, Sydney uh, might be looking at putting their players into a hotel room to avoid causing disruption to the day-to-day lives of families, partners, housemates. Uh, and the merry-go-round continues as we continue to deal with our, our COVID reality. Uh, so the marks and the goals uh, of the week are in. Uh, and I think we all... There would have had to have been uh, an inquiry, I think, of the highest level um, if Toby Green's incredible, monstrous, just outrageous torp uh, wasn't in the the goals or wasn't in the goals of the week. So the uh, the goals of the week, uh, as I'm just flicking through, I had it right up here in my phone. Here we go. Uh, so the goals of the week: Toby Green's monstrous barrel, uh, 67.7 meters. I think it was measured at. Uh, Nick Hines' uh, running goal. He accelerated away from any Hawthorne player, just like a Ferrari amongst Festivas. It was incredible as he turned on the afterburners, uh, multiple bounces through the middle of Launceston at Utah Stadium and uh, and jagged that goal. Now, Jake Stringer could have had about three goals nominated. The one that they've gone with is the soccer off the ground. So he soccered it inside forward 50, ran on, and it looked like it was a, a cross for Kale Hooker. But it actually went through the middle of the two big sticks, and, uh, and that was the goal of the week. I reckon his fourth was better, where he just juggled the ball sort of one hand, didn't take, didn't actually really take possession, just sort of half collected it in midair and guided it onto the boot and a snap from 45 uh, on the run under pressure. I reckon that was the better of his four goals. And we'll speak more about Jake String. A lot of people having a chat about what he's worth uh, and what kind of contract that he's uh, entitled to at the Essendon Footy Club. So he's, according to the Herald Sun, wanting four years. Uh, and whether he gets that and how much he gets it for is uh, all still to come. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Of course, your say on the news of the day. The AFL coaches' votes are in for round 14. So Geelong and the Western Bulldogs on Friday night, that thriller decided by Gary Rowan. The second time he's kicked a goal after the siren, uh, once with Sydney and now again with Geelong, living out the childhood dream. Uh, you do lie awake in bed, don't you? 
when I was a kid and I knew I was playing footy the next day, you think about that moment in bed going, what if I get to have that kick? What if it's me? Would I be able to live up to the moment? And he's been able to do it twice uh, in his life. So Tom Stewart played one of the great defenders' games, um, racked up bolt metres, gained um, an equal record, I think it was, for intercept marks uh, in that game. So he got the nine votes. Liber and Bontempelli, the six, four to Sam Minigola, three to Taylor Duray and two to Jack McRae. Saturday's uh, lacklustre performance from the Suns, uh, as you'd expect, there's only, there was only one player that was worthy of votes uh, from the Suns, and that was Took Miller, who got one. Uh, Ollie Wines, for his 44-possession game, got the 10 votes. Alira Lear was a rock in defence. He got the seven. And Stephen Motlop, 26 disposals, two goals, got the other seven. North Melbourne and Brisbane. So this probably is indicative of the standard uh, of that game. It didn't reach any great heights in front of not very many people in Hobart, but the votes have been split. Five for Hugh McCluggage, five for Lockie Neal, who was... Um, probably the difference in the second half. Five for Jack Siebel, five for Lincoln McCarthy, four for Lyons and Bailey, and one for Goldstein and Birchall. Uh, in the Giants and the Blues game, 10 votes for Toby Green, 17 disposals, four goals, including what is the clubhouse leader for goal of the year? So, sorry, Mitch Duncan, your torp was brilliant. This torp is better. We don't see him anywhere near enough. So I reckon the torp has gone past just a regulate, and, and I shouldn't even, it's amazing that now we're calling snaps and check side goals regulation, but they are. We see them multiple times a quarter now, but how often do we see a torp? How often do we see it from still, in, still inside the centre square? So I reckon the clubhouse leader, Toby Green, for the goal of the year, he got the 10 votes. Um, so Swamp Thing on Twitter, if you're not following him, then you're missing out on really the only good thing that's on Twitter. Only four, only... It's only happened, uh, only one player has been able to get 17 disposals and kick four goals uh, four occasions this year, and that's Toby Green. The next best is two times, uh, and he is just one of the more dominant and match-turning players in the competition. And now people are having the conversation of where does he sit within that top five ranking, and do you have him in yours? And Tim Watson saying today that Toby Green's actually his favourite player. Didn't say he's the best player in the competition, said that he, that's his favourite player to watch. Uh, Hawthorne and Essen in front of a packed-out Utah Stadium, 10 votes to Jake Stringer. Four goals, 29 disposals. I think he had career highs in just about everything. Six clearances, almost 700 metres. He had four centre clearances as well. 12 score involvements, 10 inside 50s. It was one of the best performances we've seen uh, all year. So those are the coaches' votes that are in. And just a little bit of injury news as well before we go through some of the main talking points across the station from the day. Obviously, Carlton on the agenda, the Suns on the agenda, Tasmania uh, on the agenda, and of course, you can put anything on the agenda. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. Your say on the news of the day. Joel Selwood has been discussed at great length, and so too Toby Green's uh, gut punch uh, and the fines that they received, and why aren't we suspending, and why aren't we coming down harder on non-football acts on the football field when we are hell bent on penalising the likes of poor old David McKay, who didn't break a single rule that currently exists. Yet when it comes to these incidents. We just we don't seem to care. We just ah that's fine. Just a little, just a little fine for you. We'll just uh, get some of the pocket chains that you've left down the side of the couch, and and that'll do you, naughty boy. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. So a little bit of injury news. So everyone would have seen Aaron Norton subbed out of the game against Geelong, and hearts in mouths for. Dogs fans, because you just get the feeling that Aaron Norton, if uh, Western Bulldogs are set to make a really good run uh, at another grand final, then a lot of it, 
and a fair, well, yeah, I'd say a fair bit of it lies on keeping their number one key forward target fit. I know Josh Bruce has kicked more goals, but I think we'd all agree that Aaron Norton's the, the main man inside Ford 50. Um, he is set to play. So uh, the physio for the Western Bulldogs, uh, Chris Bell, um, has said that they expect him to play. They sent him off for scans. He was cleared of any serious structural damage. They're going to monitor him this week, but they remain pretty optimistic that he's going to play against the Eagles. They're expecting Steph Martin back as well. Unfortunately for Robbie Gray, he's going to miss about eight weeks uh, needing surgery on that left medial ligament. So 33 years old. I think Tom Morris reporting too that there is a games trigger to get him uh, another contract so that actually has that going down to the wire on the games that he needs to play this year to trigger another contract for next year. So that's a, a, a wait and watch and see. And sad news for Mitch Duncan, who was the clubhouse leader for me, goal of the year, after his talk uh, down at GMHBA Stadium. I reckon that was against the Eagles. Uh, has been overtaken now by Toby Green. And Chris says, goal of the year, Toby. Come on, mate, settle down. Chris, more than happy for you to disagree, but can I respectfully request that if you are going to disagree, tell me who is the clubhouse leader. If Toby Green isn't, tell me who is. one three hundred seven three six seven three six or zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen off the temper text. Temper, uh, a mattress like no other. Uh, so that is uh, the injury news and that is uh, the coaches' votes. We've gone the, the goal and the mark uh, of the day as well. Plenty more and a lot more happening in sport at the moment, which we'll work our way through. Time on is your say on the news of the day. And off the text, what were the rest of the votes uh, for the Hawthorne, Essendon and Bomb? Okay, sorry about that. Uh, I just got stuck on Jake Stringer, didn't I? I <laughs> got a little bit too excited uh, about the package. Uh, Stringer got the 10. Sam Draper, and what a performance from him. Hasn't played since round two. Uh, intercept and contested mark after intercept and contested mark. I think he had 10 clearances. He got the eight votes. Tom Mitchell who continues to rack him up, got four. Jordan Ridley, the three. Luke Bruce uh, got the two. And Nick Hine got a couple as well. Jaeger O'Meara got one vote. Uh, so those are the rest of the votes. Thank you to whoever that was saying what the rest of them. Got a little bit distracted with Jake Stringer, who will hear the views of Gary Lyon and Kane Corns uh, on where his contract situation is at and where he's worth. And Gary Lyon's got an idea of what to do with uh, Jake Stringer, which I think you could throw a few people in this category of why this type of contract would absolutely be the right way to go. I'll play that for you on the other side of this. Time on, SEN. You're listening to Time On with Sam Hargraves on SEN. Tradies, don't miss the instant asset tax write-off. Essendon Renault Traffic Sales Event now on. Uh, just off the text, you missed Carlton votes only. Only Toby. Uh, so apologies for that as well. Ten votes, Toby Green. Seven for Jacob Hopper. Six for Jeremy Finlayson. Three for Lockie Whitfield and Tim Taranto. And one for Nick Haynes. Uh, I was getting excited in the ten-vote getters. Uh, Toby Green got the ten votes in the Giants-Carlton uh, game. The coaches' votes, of course. Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen off the temper text. Now, Chris, who doesn't, uh, who's not having a bar of me saying that Toby Green's the current clubhouse leader for the goal of the year, he told me to settle down. And I said, Chris, give me, tell me who he is. And Chris has said it's not even in the top five. Chris, the offer's still there to tell me whose goal this year is better than Toby Green's torp. One three hundred seven three six seven three six zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Tell me the goal that would be beating it now for goal of the year. We see so many check sides now. We see so many snaps. We see so many dribble kicks. But how often do we see a monster, 
a monster torp. I would argue now that it's harder for players because they don't practice it to kick a torp than it is to kick a check side or a snap or a dribble kick. So it's the degree of difficulty as well. And it went 67.5 metres. It was inside the centre square. Uh, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. of course, is the number. Uh, I also love Toby Green's goal, considering it was after the quarter-time siren. He steps up in the big moment. Um, and this has come through uh, off the text uh, as well um, about Toby Green's goal. And I've just got to find it. It's just uh, we're all raving about Toby Green's talk. But has anybody noticed the man on the mark crept to his left two metres and jumped left another two metres at the time of the kick? Shouldn't it have been a 50-metre penalty. Umpires lately seem to be letting the players creep without penalty until they decide to pay one. I didn't notice that. I'll go back and have a look at it. I'm really glad that they didn't pay it for whoever sent that text through. Put your name and suburb on there. I'm really glad, really glad that they didn't see that. Obviously, we want the game adjudicated as uh, correctly and as to close to 100% accurate as possible. We hold the umpires to a much higher account and standard that we hold the players to, unfortunately. Uh, but this is an occasion where I'm happy that that mistake was made because we'd miss out on that incredible moment. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Sam Toby Green was always going to be a handful. Would have loved Doherty to stand up as captain and put a hard tag on Toby. That's Aaron in Stuart Hill. Aaron, I, yeah, it's an interesting point, isn't it? I think they went with Newman and at times they went with Stocker. Uh, or was it Parks? I'll have to double-check that. Um, and yet none of the the guys who were in there as leaders, like Doherty, the co-captain, or Saad, or Williams, uh, unfortunately, this doesn't. those jobs don't get given to them, whether it's because they don't want them or, or whether it's not that the coaches think that those are just better options. But it's been discussed at length today, sticking with an unsuccessful game plan and how long you keep butting your head up against the wall when something's, not, when something's actually not working. Uh, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. So the Mitch Duncan injury, of course, was the other injury that had come through. Um, he's expected to miss about ten to twelve weeks um, from what went on against the Western Bulldogs on, on Friday night as well. So that's uh, that's another massive loss for the Cats. Uh, you'd think they can would be able to cover him, but he's a crucial player for the Mitch Duncan. He's one of the more underrated players in the competition. It gets spoken about quite regularly. Uh, Brennan's in Camberwell. Good day, Brendan. Brendan, have I got you there? Far away, Brendan. Yep, there you go. You're on air. Uh, good on you, mate. Uh, I'm just wondering, with um, the young uh, number one draft pick, uh, Jamara, whether he got invited to go to WA um, with the rest of the players. Because not that social media is up to date, but it seems he's holidaying in, uh, on the Mornington Peninsula. And I thought that would be odd, because I thought he, he should be in WA. I think he's ready to play. Uh, I'm not. I'm not aware. So I'd have to. We'd have to try and chase that up. So uh, I, I had a look at how he went on the weekend uh, in their 33-point win in the twos against the Cats. It was a curtain raiser there. Josh Shackey kicked six, and 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 it was impressive. Took 14 marks in that game. Uh, Jamar Eaglehagen had five disposals and kicked two goals and and took three marks. So I would have thought if they were going to take anyone as cover for Aaron Norton, uh, it, it would have been Shackey. Um, are you, a, are you a dog supporter, Brendan? I, I'm not, but I've, I I just follow the, the number one draft picks. You know, I, I would have expected them to play by now, so I'm just a little bit surprised. Yeah, it, it's a matter of whose spot he takes, Brendan. At the moment, you know, the dogs are a top four side. Um, they've only lost three games for the year, is it? Uh, and Norton and Bruce and then English, when he goes down there, they're all playing really well. 
So I don't think any of them deserve to actually be dropped. And and this is the great thing when you've got a situation like that, when you're actually winning games, you're in the top four, you, you now have the luxury of just bringing this guy along and not rushing him through, but actually make, you know teaching him how to be a professional, getting games under his belt at VFL level. You know, the famous story of how many... Michael Tuck played over 100 VFL games before he had... And, and he had the record until Boomer Harvey broke it. But he this is a, he was made to earn his spot in a successful side, in a successful era. So too was Dipper. You know, we're seeing problems at the moment at other clubs where the era of entitlement, where early draft picks play straight away, they don't really have to earn their spot. Um, and then they, they they never get dropped, so they never really learn anything. So they've got the luxury now, the Western Bulldogs, of being able to bring this guy along at a pace that they believe is right for his development and where he's at based on the performances that he's putting out, based on his fitness, based on his approach. All that, they would factor in everything, and they don't have to rush him in, which is a wonderful place to be in. Yeah, I don't know if Gerard would be too happy with that. Bad luck. <laughs> I think he expects to play. Bad I, luck. I agree. It, it is bad luck. I, I wouldn't. I would. I would yeah. be. I would be staggered if there's anybody in his ear. I'm sure he's getting all the right advice from all the right people all around him, saying, "No, no, don't be impatient. You earn. You got to earn your keep. You got to earn your first game." We've seen so many examples of where things get handed to players ahead of time. And it can have a detrimental effect on their career. They won't make that mistake with him. So have him banging down the door. Have it. Have it. Have people screaming out saying he has to play. His form's been undeniable. So are we able to say that yet, Brendan? Oh no, uh, definitely not. But I reckon he's that pig-headed that he that he'll ask to be moved on. Do, do you do you know him personally? Uh, yeah, I do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, no, not I pre- not I pre- knowing, and yeah, he, he he's hating it. Well, that's again. I would just say bad luck. It's um, and not that I'm in the four walls, but that's what I would say. Bad luck. You you will play when the coach deems that you're ready to play. That, that that's how this should work. It's a, it's a great learning curve to be on. It's it's the way that we should be developing young talent where we can. So often. These guys get drafted at the number one pick by teams that are struggling. They've got no other option but to play. But at the moment, there isn't a spot for him because the guys that would play in the position that he wants to play in or that they would play him in, well, they're performing. So they don't deserve to be dropped for him. And why should they be? Because he's a, a talented kid. No, you don't, you, don't, you don't make that mistake that some other clubs have made. Uh, with this, so, there's, there's, there's a litany of them throughout history. So they won't, they won't need to do that, nor should they, Brendan. And if that's not to Jamara's liking, and I don't know him, so I'm not going to comment on him personally, but I would, I would be staggered if there's people around him not saying the exact same thing. Mate, just be patient. You're in a different situation. You didn't go to a club that was at the bottom of the table. You went to a side that's been playing finals uh, and is now a top four team. Things just shouldn't get handed. Tom's in Greensboro. G'day, Tom. Uh, Sam, yeah, just uh, to carry on from your point just there about um, uh, Eugle Hagen, I think I don't think he has to look too much further than Josh Shackey, um, his teammate. Josh was a pick two. He was thrown um, into... He got a few games at Brisbane when they were getting spanked. Yep. Um, and then he's been in and out of the dog side, been played out of position, like... It irks me. I'm a huge Josh Shackey fan, and it really irks me how he gets treated in the media and how he gets sort of 
played out of position and cast aside. I, I think, you know, he he really deserves a good, you know, five you know week stretch in the in the seniors. Uh, and and I would sort of say that someone like um, Norton uh, should you know should be uh, moved into defence. I think Norton would be would really shore up the Bulldogs' defence and uh, would allow someone like. Shaki to partner with um, Bruce up forward, and I think that would be the best way to go. I've been saying that for for a while, but um, to address your uh, your clubhouse leader um, with uh, with uh, Toby Green, well, Toby Green's kick was great. It was a top. It was after the siren. He couldn't run around and that sort of stuff. But he was he, he kicked that from pretty much you know well a, a pretty decent angle, like almost right in front. Move him to the boundary line, and you get uh, and and uh, Mitch Duncan did that a few weeks ago, right on the hard on the boundary line, you know, 55 metres out after the siren. Uh, it was a bit, uh, uh, it, it sort of reminded me a lot of uh, Bradshaw's from uh, when he was playing up at Brisbane. Oh, that's uh, a, oh, no, at Sydney that's a great he, reference. That. That's a great reference, uh, Tom. Uh, that Mitch Duncan's was my clubhouse leader. Uh, and you're, and everything you're saying is 100 percent right. He, the, the angle was a, a bit more difficult in his, but I've just got the distance uh, to be able to connect with it the way that he did from 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 as far back as he was. I think it had another 10 meters from from goal to Mitch's, and I think it went another 10 meters further. I, I, I just loved it. So you, you've got a great case that you argue. I'm still going to stick with Toby Green, but I, but I, of any of anyone that I'm going to get tonight, I'm I'm. I'm happy to, to, to maybe, maybe think about conceding to that one, Tom. Thank you, mate. No. Great to chat to Tom. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. John's in Mill Park. G'day, John. G'day, Sam. How are you? Really well, thank you. Yeah, I, I think we're forgetting the two goals that Shea Bolton kicked against this year. I mean, like, Toby Green's goal is great, but let him repeat it again. That's my question with a torpedo. You've got to repeat it again, and they wouldn't be able to do that. He wouldn't be able to do that two kicks in a row. Bolton's two goals against SC in the last quarter in that Dreamtime game were two of the best goals you'll see this year. He dummied around two players, snapped, mm. and then st- literally was falling on the ground at one stage, got up, didn't didn't fall, and they were just two sensational goals. And that was two in the space of two minutes. And to your point about um, the dogs, just have a look at Richmond's players, Kelman Collin-Jones, Riley Collier-Dawkins, mm. Will Martin, all these kids that just consistently play reserves football, and then when they are brought up, they perform. Yeah, because great they've point, been John. given a long stint great in point. the reserves. That's why. Yep. No, I couldn't agree so with you your more. points very well. No, thank you, John. I appreciate it, Ben. Appreciate the call and good, good nomination too for Shea Bolton. They were electric. Those two goals. I'm going to stick with mine purely just from personal preference, just because it's such a dying art. The torp, isn't it? Like we just, whenever we see it, it just, it takes you to a place. I don't know. There's just something magical, something really special. It's in a, it's in a field all of its own. The torp. It's a, it's a hark back to yesteryear. It's incredibly difficult to kick. It gets everybody up out of their seats. So does Shea Bolton, by the way. I mean, he is an out-and-out star. And, and those two goals you mentioned were elite. But I'm just going to stick with mine. Hey, I did say that Carlton was on the agenda today. And we're going to go through what uh, some of the biggest names in the game have had to say about the Blues, the Suns uh, as well. And if we've got time, we might even stick with Sammy Edmonds, what grinds my gears, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736
You're listening to Time On with Sam Hargraves on SEN. Tradies, don't miss the instant asset tax write-off. Essendon Renault Traffic Sales Event now on. I would heavily incentivise him, mm. Tim, and dangle the carrot because everyone in football with half a brain knows that Jake Stringer on yesterday's form is worth every dollar of 750 mm-hmm. Similarly, everyone in football knows that he doesn't do it very often or he doesn't do it often enough in recent times. So you would incentivise him. He's not in the category of Dusty and Petrarca. He plays like those boys. Gary Lyon speaking today about Jake Stringer and how do you value him? How do you evaluate what he's worth to your team and then how do you get a contract in place that befits that and reflects that? Uh, it's it's well put. Kane Corn spoke about the fact that players who are looking for contracts often play out of their skin, uh, heavily motivated. They're hungry. And then sometimes the downside is once they get fed, then we don't get that same level of performance. There's a bit of a it's almost like when you have a big meal, isn't there? Uh, a Christmas, the Christmas Day meal it is. When you, that's the best. Oftentimes, that's the best meal of the year, isn't it? The Christmas Day meal. You, you, you stuff yourself. You, you eat everything you can, and it's beautiful. It's amazing. And then you just lie there and go, I can't move. I honestly can't move. There's, there's, you, you go into like a, a meat coma, a food coma. That can sometimes happen the year after a breakout contract. You, you get paid, and then all of a sudden it's just... You're not as hungry as you were for a little while. Uh, and there's, you might have a player in your mind now where you think, yeah, before the big contract, unbelievable. After the big contract, took a little while to get back to that form. So what do you pay a guy like Jake Stringer? So he wants four years as being reported. Couldn't agree with Gary Lyon anymore. There are players, and, and what, I don't understand why the AFL doesn't do this and why clubs don't do this more. When you look at other sports around the leagues, especially in the NFL uh, and, and the NBA, incentivized contracts are absolutely brilliant for club and player. So the player, on agreeing to the caveats and agreeing to the stipulations within the contract, so the triggers, if you like, so if you do this, You'll, if you get All-Australian, it's an extra X amount of money. If uh, you lead our goal-kicking, it's an extra X amount of money. Um, if you average this amount of disposals, it's extra this amount of money, and so on and so on. So every player knows that to get that next bit, then I'm going to have to do that. And it works wonderfully in the NFL. You know, you've got offensive linemen who have a... If you get X amount of tackles for the year, then you'll get a million-dollar bonus. Not that we're going to be throwing million-dollar bonuses out, but in, in the equivalence of how our salary cap works. They are a sensational idea. And players like Jake Stringer, who are enigmatic and electric and match-winning one day and maybe you you get a little bit frustrated by the next, that's perfect for a player like him. And I don't know why Collingwood didn't do it with Jordan Dugowie and say, Rotto, if you you are going to be a full-moon player, which is once every four or five weeks, then we're going to try and see if we can get that to once every three or four. And to do that, if you are able to hit these marks, you'll be able to earn this money. So your earning capacity could be $800,000, but your base might be five. And it's up to you then if you achieve it. So it's all on your own back. And some players would revel and thrive in that kind of situation because they'd back themselves in. And Jake Stringer, I reckon, be one of those players that would back himself in to go, I'll do that. I can make those bonuses. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. Andrew's in Reservoir. Good day, Andrew. Sam, how are you going? Really well, thanks. Uh, I just want to touch base on Oogle Hagen and just get your thoughts on 
on this. I mean, look, I think you're spot on, and the Dogs are doing a fantastic job in developing him. And, you know, t- to name a few players, you look at the likes of Jonathan Patton, Paddy McCartan, Josh Shackey, maybe they had played, you know, too early on in their careers and, and haven't been as successful. But what do you do in the event if he's knocking down the door or not even and he comes in and says, well, I want to get traded because I'm not playing? I mean, the Dogs as an organisation, what are your thoughts on that? What do they then do? And, you know, does he force their hand? Uh, you don't allow your hand to be forced. Yeah. What? 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 You've got to have hand. It's a great line in Seinfeld. George Costanza says, "I'll have no hand." Jamar Eagle Hagen doesn't. And with all due respect, this is not potting him because he's not doing this at the moment. But let's say that that was true. And I, there's nothing that we've heard that suggests that he is doing this. But if he was, then you would say, "Where's your hand? Like what? What have you? What body of work do you have to force us to play you?" So yeah. there, there isn't any of that at the moment. So I, I wouldn't allow my hand, if I was at the club, which I'm not, but it, it, I would imagine the Western Bulldogs would say the same thing. Well, we won't allow our hand to be forced. This is how we run our club. And as players, you're employed to fit in with how we run our club. And if our coach says you're not ready to play yet, then we back in our coach who says that you're not ready to play yet. And we'll do everything we can to help you get ready to be at that point where he says you are ready to play yet. And if and if and if that doesn't work, and the player still says, "No, no, I've got absolutely you do, absolutely yeah. you yeah, do." Yeah, no, I, I, I got the same mentality, and I'm thinking the same way. It's just, I mean, you never know. Well, you don't, and 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 clubs have been guilty of this before, Andrew. They've been so scared of maybe not getting someone that they've paid overs for them, and then they're in a hole. And, you know, Carlton might have a couple of those players at the moment where you were so scared about not getting the player that you paid overs for them. And there's, you know, and what maybe, and maybe Collingwood did when they look at the Brody Grundy contract and they were so scared of losing him that maybe they've paid overs and given him too long a contract for him now because we're so scared to lose a player. The moment somebody tries to tell you how you should run what you do, the moment they've just stepped in the door, and again, we're not saying that he's done this, but if he did, it's a hypothetical then you would probably say, well, okay, well, maybe this isn't the right fit for us either. That's not how we do things here. You know, I've called footy now for seven years. If in my first year, and I started with the M's, but if I had started here and walked in the front door and said, righto, Hutchie, uh, I'll do Friday night footy, thanks. Well, no, Sam, we've we've got Jerry Waitley and Anthony Hudson that do Friday night footy, and they're two of the best in the business. No, no, no. I deserve and I should and I'm entitled to do Friday night footy. I can, ex- I can tell you exactly what he'd say to me. He'd point to the door and say, you, you, do you know how to use that? Because you clearly don't know your place in the world. Let's see if you know how to use a door and don't let it hit you on the ass on the way out. one three hundred seven three six seven three six 736 736 is the number. We're going to get to John Owen in just a moment. Uh, Sam Edmund always likes to do what grinds my gears. And if you've got a nomination, uh, let me know. But there's been a lot said uh, about Carlton uh, today. So we will work through what's been said and by who on the other side of this on SEN. You're listening to Time On with Sam Hargraves on SEN. Tradies, don't miss the instant asset tax write-off. Essendon Renault Traffic Sales Event now on. Yesterday's, um, or you know, the game at Utah yesterday just showed what, what, what can happen, and, and I think it was a phenomenal outcome. So what did happen yesterday? Why did we get that kind of crowd and that kind of support, Brett? 
Well, it's because Tasmanians are a football state. They're one of the founding footy states, and and they do love the sport. But but they can't be taken for granted either. And and I'm not a Tasmanian, no, Dwayne. And I can I can sit up here where I live and go. I I think that frankly, you know, I'm not saying it's today because there's talk about the inclusion, but previous administrations have have taken them for granted. Um, and and look, it comes down to scheduling. I mean, you put two good teams in there, you know, in a competitive match, and 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 they'll flock to it. And and you know. Conversely, you see what you saw in, in Hobart and um, and you don't get the same results. So, you know, if that was Tasmania um, playing uh, Essendon, it, it would have, you would have been fighting for tickets. You know, you, you'd be scalping them. That's Brett Godfrey speaking to Dwayne Russell, the chairman of the Tasmanian AFL Task Force Group, about the brilliant turnout uh, at Launceston yesterday at Utah Stadium. It was a full house there, and they got treated to a fantastic game of footy as well. Same can't be said for crowd or game of footy uh, the night before at Blundstone Arena. It was a really poor turnout uh, at Blundstone, uh, and it wasn't the greatest game of footy either. The Lions uh, getting a win over North Melbourne. Uh, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. We'll talk more about Tassie throughout the course of the evening, 0433981116 off the temper text. Temper, uh, a mattress like no other. A couple of people talking about incentivised contracts and uh, people saying that the main issue with them is the salary cap set up, is it creates too many variables and would it create selfish players who would keep those numbers in their head? Well, that would be up to the, the list managers to work through. You do have to make sure you pay a certain amount of your salary cap, so you need to factor that in. And um, Again, that's up to coaches. If, if they feel like a player is being selfish and just looking after themselves, that's player gets dropped and that player gets even further away from their incentive so I think players would be smart enough to know well I'm not going to get anywhere near my incentive if I'm being selfish so I need to make sure that I'm still playing my role uh, as put by the coaches. Uh, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Harrison Jones is the uh, round 14 NAB Rising Star nominee. 14 disposals, eight marks, a couple of rippers in those as well. Five of them contested and every one of them worth a look at and two goals uh, against the Hawks. Let's have a little chat about the Blues. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. Before we do that, Jono, um, we might not get time for what grinds my gears, but he's been waiting patiently in sunshine. Hello, mate. Uh, just a couple of things. Hugo Hagen, just off the top, you know what? Let's just, I'll give you a reference, Jack Watts. Throw him into the uh, fire. Never, ever, ever was allowed to become the player that he should have been. And uh, it didn't work. And I just think, throw him into the pan. It doesn't work sometimes. And the same with this kid. Be patient. You've got a long career. Absolutely. But but my uh, grind my gears, and this is just, I'm, I'm probably at the wrong time. Stephen Hawking about uh, the decision the other night. You could absolutely tell he was seething that uh, the McKay didn't get a penalty. Someone needs to remind Stephen Hawking he doesn't own the game. He's a custodian of the game with the other people. And that maybe if he wants to change the game so that he has a legacy after his career at the AFL, maybe you should consider the actual game and the supporters of the game and what they want, not what he wants. We all want to protect players and we all want to do the things. Incidental contacts in a competitive sport are always going to happen no matter what you do. But if you change the fabric of the game, you take it away from the supporters. And that's just my take, Sam. 
Uh, Jono, I appreciate that. He's done a lot of great things, Steve Hocking, and they do, and they're doing some brilliant things and some very important things in the space of protecting the head of the AFL. But I agree with you; that wasn't handled anywhere near in the right way uh, to try and throw David McKay under the bus, who's been nothing but a solid citizen in his two hundred and I think it's uh, thirty-nine or forty games as a player. Never put a foot wrong uh, to try and have him suspended for breaking a rule that doesn't exist yet, only because you'd like it to exist is just not the way to go about it. I actually think he is owed an apology, David McKay. He's essentially been dragged through the town square, um, put in the stockades for all to stare at and point at and judge, uh, only for the tribunal to say, well, no, he hasn't acted unreasonably and he had, there's not a rule that exists currently that he's broken, uh, which he hadn't. So I actually think he is owed an apology for that. The right way to go about doing what they're trying to do is to actually come out and say, this incident here we don't like. We're not actually sure how to change it and what we can do, but by the end of the year we're going to get together and we're going to figure out what we can actually legislate here because it's not the job of the tribunal to do your job for you. It's the job of the tribunal to rule on existing rules and have they been broken, not to try and shoehorn new ones in and create new precedents sort of Trojan horse style. Um, so I, I commend what the AFL is trying to do with protecting their head, but this is the, the, the process they went through to achieve what they wanted here, I don't think was right. And I actually think David McKay is owed an apology. And then to sit there and be called dishonest twice um, in his hearing, I think it was yeah pretty ordinary the way that that was all done. Whilst I respect and admire what the AFL is trying to do and I'm totally on board with about making it as safe as possible, this wasn't the way to go about it. It wasn't open and it wasn't transparent. Uh, it's all well and good to say we won't hesitate to legislate after the fact, but you did hesitate to legislate. Uh, you didn't. You asked the tribunal to do it for you, which I, I didn't like. It didn't really sit comfortable with me, and I really do feel for David McKay. Obviously, I feel for Hunter Clark and the injuries he sustained, but everybody who signs up knows that there are risks, and, and this is a uh, just a terrible outcome from uh, a totally fair and legal act. But we don't open Pandora's box again. Uh, but I agree with you, Jono. one three hundred seven three six seven three six 736 736 is the number. Um, a lot has been discussed about Carlton, but the players themselves uh, have spoken uh, today. And Jacob Wiedering and Patrick Cripps spoke about the frustration of fans. Oh, I can understand the frustration that may be coming from the fans, from, from oh, I guess, the people outside the club. Um, but, but I can tell you right now, the coaches, Tiggy, the leadership group and the players are working bloody hard to, to try and put them together and um, we'll be looking to do that in the back half of the season. The most important thing is we stick together as a group and, and have a clear focus on what's going to max improve and I've seen, I've seen teams turn around quickly. I've been in this position before as a group um, and I've seen how we can play a good foot in the back half of the year. We'll, we'll turn. It's a, a week's a long time of footy. I know everyone, a lot of teams say that but it actually is and um, I know I've got a lot of belief in this group. Jacob Wiedering and Patrick Cripp speaking. They also addressed the lack of tackling pressure uh, and the poor on-field performance uh, against the Giants and for a fair part of the year. Something we're going to address. Um, one thing I'll say about this group, we give effort every week. It's disappointing that the tackle count was like that. Uh, at the same time, we're winning the ground ball stat as well. So it wasn't a lack of effort. We're still winning the ball, but pressure is definitely something we've got to keep addressed as a group. The, the pressure the pressure factor, the tackles, um, so that's something we'll keep working on. It is frustrating, and, and I wouldn't put it down to between the years. We, I mean, we're quite a resilient side. You saw it last year, and you've seen it in games this year. And uh, for us... Yeah, we've got to put four quarters together and, and we've got to play well. 
when you're in places like this, it's easy to point to one person, but footy's a collective group and um, we're all taking responsibility for where we are at the moment. It's not just on Tegi, it's everyone. As leaders, we're going to back Tegi in and Tegi backs us in as players and, and you'll see his emotion um, in, oh, I guess, interviews after the game, pre-game, and he really believes in us as a group and, and we've got to believe in him and we've got to be accountable for our actions. So that was Patrick Cripps and Jacob Wiedering speaking today. And just before we finish up, Patrick Cripps spoke about his future at the club. But don't go anywhere. Sporting Capital's up next. Heroes and Villains, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. It's the same as it was the other day. We're still working through it, so um, we've said all along I'm happy with the club. Is the latter improvement having bearing in some people that kind of talks and a lot of free agents fully in their rights to want to see certain yards in progress. Is it fair to say that the lack of progress at the moment is, is impacting us so much? No, that hasn't been impacted at all. It never has been. Um, we're just working out a few minor details, so um, myself and the club are on the same page with it. So you guarantee it's being enforced? Yeah. So Paddy Cripps saying that they're still on the same page. The on-field performances aren't affecting the delay in the signature. There's just a little bit to work out in regards to the contract. Uh, so if you'd like to put Carlton on the agenda in your heroes and villains, we'll do that. And it's what we do every Monday night on the Sporting Capital, which is up next, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. There has been a lot said today about the Suns as well. We'll work our way through all of that. Luke Shuey has spoken today. Dane Zorko. I'll bring you all that and plenty more in the Sporting Capital. Up next on SEN. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.